Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Nathaniel Muir and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the host who gives the best clues. Hi, I am Danny and if you didn't get that by my context clues, I'm sorry. I resent that. (laughs) (laughs) Also joining us is uh, the host who... Misses the shows that he probably has the most to talk oh, about. Dude, ain't that the truth? My name's Blake. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. But I'll say this. Uh, Regina, always a welcome addition to the show. Did a great job. I, I didn't mention, uh, she doesn't have your knowledge, your Stephen King knowledge, but a few years back she started uh, going back through the Stephen King library and rereading stuff. Um, the Dark Half, though, was not one of those that she ever got around to. And I don't know I don't... I would I would have to think that has to be one of the books and movies that are the least consumed by the King uh, fan base. You never hear about it. You never, never. do. So <laughs> until we talked about it. Well, until we talk about it again, you won't know what I fucking think about it, everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I saw the strangest thing this Sunday, like and this isn't like, you know, missing stuff for hunting season type of thing. I was we were so we go grocery shopping every Sunday. We live like kind of on not kind of we live on the edge of College Station and Bryan or like either going out or coming. We're on the very edge of both. We're kind of in both towns. We're driving out. We're getting onto the one of the many freeways that are around here. And there's this car that stopped kind of um I'm getting into an intersection and there's this car that's kind of stopped in two lanes and there's this guy who's running around the car and we couldn't tell if he just got out of the car and he was like going to fix a flat or if he was like a panhandler or if it was a Chinese fire drill, like just had <laughs> no idea what was going on. So as we get closer, the dude is walking further away from the car and there's a woman by herself in the car and she's on her phone just staring at this guy. And then as we get closer, we can see that he's, you know, in his 20s, probably early 20s. And uh, he's obviously impaired, like drunk or on drugs, or maybe he hasn't slept in a week or something, but he's just, he's out of it. We drive off and we don't drive very long, a couple of minutes. And then, you know, we're discussing this. We're like, wow, like, it's really nice of her to stop and call for help or whatever it is that she's doing. And then Regina was like, do you think we should go back? And and this is noon. So, and, you know, it's (laughs) noon. Not a particularly dangerous spot, but, you know, it's someone by themselves and this person who's obviously in trouble. And it's right by a freeway. Right. So we we circle around and he is, in fact, now walking on the freeway. He's on the shoulder and the lady's behind him with her emergency lights. And so we're like, wow, this lady, she's a what a Samaritan, you know, she's following him very slowly. And I guess she's, you know, making sure that he doesn't walk out into traffic. And she's also letting other cars know to slow down because she has her emergency lights on. I told Regina, I was like, well, I don't know. We can get behind her and follow her. Or I was like, you know what? Just pull up next to her and I'll just ask her if there's anything we can do to help. So, um, you know, we slow down and we pull up next to her and I'm like, "Um, excuse me, do you need help with anything? And she's pissed. She says, (laughs) that's my son. He's 28 years old and he's acting like a dick. So I'm making him walk home. Oh, my <laughs> God. and and we live like I said, we live out on the edge of College Station, Brian or Brian College Station. There's aside from our little area. I mean, for those of you who know the we live in the traditions. Like, there's nothing around here aside from us wow. and the airport. That's and and then the school, the, the schools. That's it. There's nowhere to go. So yeah, we're like, man, where's it? Well, and you know, I don't know how to react to this, so I'm just like, oh, oh okay. good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> I was like really waiting for like, no, he's just a big Sammy Hagar fan. He can't drive fifty five. And you know what the funny thing is? Like after she and she's mad. She's like, I'm making him walk home. She's like, I appreciate you stopping. Thank you. 
<laughs> the, the most aggressive thank you you've ever had in your life. Sweet. It was, and you know, it was like whatever, 92 degrees and uh, 100% humidity or whatever. Yeah. And Texas um, justice. <laughs> yeah. This is Texas justice. And, <laughs> like, and uh, awesome. yeah, and, and Regina just goes, I'm sorry. Like, cause, I mean, <laughs> we, we had no idea what to say, but uh, you should have driven by him and been like, quit being a dick. <laughs> Throwing tomatoes at him. <laughs> I should have just like kidnapped him. <laughs> the How pissed around. would she have been if you picked him up and given him a ride? Oh man, she would have dragged us out of the car to me. <laughs> You're walking too. Man, it was it was the craziest thing. Um, so wow. I guess we saw we saw that lady's dark hat. Hey, what, well, that's your merit badge. That's your East Texas merit badge, right there. Yeah. It sounds like a very Mexican thing, by the way, like to do that type of stuff. Because I remember going. <laughs> Your coming... mom kicking you out of the car. Well, not <laughs> you walk not, twenty not, miles or <laughs> not that, not that. But being in ninety-two degree weather, something very, I guess, something I guess they do. I remember coming home really hung over, and uh, it's like maybe like ten o'clock. It's already, you know. Our, our Texas heat, like, it's, it sucks. And it's already hot. They're doing yard work. And the first thing they do, like, they throw gloves to me. They throw a rake. And they're like, all right, let's get to do yard work. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to get some sleep. They're like, you know what? You can't do. You can't go to sleep because. They're like, sleeping's for sober people. Exactly, yeah. That that was kind of like the, Dude, the, the say. That, and... that's, so that's just the West Texas thing. Because my dad, <laughs> yeah, because my dad uh, is a white guy. And, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Well, we, he was like a veterinarian, uh, like cattle ranches. And um, one time I came home a, a little bit drunk when I was a little bit too early in age to be getting drunk. And uh, my punishment was uh, he woke me up at 4.30 in the morning, which afforded me about two hours of sleep. And uh, we proceeded to go work a 300 head of cattle in the West Texas ranch heat in the dead of summer. And uh, I think I threw up three times and I never did that again. <laughs> <laughs> you never you mean you never went to your dad's house drunk you, i you, never <laughs> never worked cattle again <laughs> oh really did you are you serious uh no i totally did no but i learned my uh, lesson i i i i, I, I know i no longer showed up to the house drunk i just stayed where i was you know what i bet i i wonder i'm thinking a lot of people have similar stories to that because like we see you know herds of cow around here and we're like oh is that a longhorn or uh, look at that cow or whatever but it seems like everyone else around here is like man cows are stupid animals oh, they're the worst. like they have horror stories of working oh, with cows <laughs> god awful i've never enjoyed eating one more than after i've worked with one <laughs> <laughs> that'll learn them i'll teach them something <laughs> last week like uh you know you're the stephen king expert and you missed the stephen king uh, show but we do have Stephen King news this week. Christine, I, I, I don't know. I've always thought Christine is kind of one of the lesser Stephen King novels also. Um, but it's getting an adaptation, uh, getting a remake, actually, not an adaptation. They're remaking it. Um, Brian Fuller, who's directed some episodes of Hannibal okay. and uh, uh, Pushing Daisies, is bringing it back to the big screen. So how do you feel about that? Well, first of all, how do you feel about the original? Oh, you know, so the original is such a, uh, man, it's such like a pure thing. Like the, that era of Stephen King is like, to me, is like, it's like the golden age, right? It's like, these are all the stories that he was writing probably when he was 
15, 16. Then he was older and he got to flesh all this stuff out to be much more substantial stories. And so I have a f- tremendous fondness for it. And also, just a Plymouth Fury is like the coolest fucking car ever. So, mm-hmm. like, let's not, like, I'm just into car porn. But um, I, I, I'm excited. Uh, it's long overdue, uh, I would say. And the, uh, you know, the original, the original is a lot of fun. Um, it's not scary. No. really uh at all but um a possessed car is kind of a fun fun idea and uh i'm all for it um i know this guy's also done some dead like me which i actually really like that show and so uh yeah i'm i'm excited um i know it is jason bloom <laughs> i know i know how that goes around here but uh i mean the more stephen king the merrier and like let's fill this guy's pocketbook with more cash <laughs> Uh, Christine's an interesting one to me because, like, I and you're right, that is from the golden era. And when I think of that time, I think of Christine, Cujo, and Carrie, like yeah, the, the three C's of starting. Yeah, Firestarter's in there also. Of all, like in retrospect, I would say Firestarter might be the weakest of them. But Christine, I think because it was the least scary of all of them, I was kind of always like, oh, I'd rather watch Cujo or I'd definitely rather watch Carrie. Like, but Christine was always the one that was in the, uh, like the, the, the back of the pack for me. And I've never even read it, to be honest. Like, I've read, well, a I've lot never of- read it. So the books actually, I would, I would recommend it actually. I do an audiobook. Do an audiobook. The, uh, the audiobook of Christine's actually a lot of fun. People tell me that it, I, I've heard that it's that's one of the ones that Regina did revisit, and uh, people have told me and that it's much better than the movie, and then there actually is more of that like horror element to it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's 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 actually hard to quantify because it's it's so. I mean, the, the it's just a it's a possessed car. It's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a weird thing. And then there's like that movie, The Car, which is like from 1978 or whatever, which I think actually does like a much more like ominous, menacing portrayal of like a demon car. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's like fetishizing and this whole thing with the with that specific car, the Plymouth Fury, which is just rad. <laughs> there's some really cool scenes in it um, in, in it in Christine mm-hmm. that are really cool but they're kind of campy in a way but i i enjoy christine i've just always thought it was bond but that yeah you said golden age of king that absolutely is um talking about killer cars and stuff there's also i don't remember the name of it but larry cohen did that one about the killer ambulance oh shit was it called meat wagon i have to look up the title of it because it's such a it's just a strange um idea oh the one with nicholas cage i remember (laughs) right fast (laughs) <laughs> drive no, angry. Drive angry. no, no, no. He, oh, Drive Angry is cool too, though. He, <laughs> he literally drives out of hell. Isn't that a Ghost Rider? No, no, dude, no. <laughs> Amber, Heard, Amber Heard's in it. She's like not pooping on beds. <laughs> I, I think it's called uh, The Ambulance. So <laughs> the Ambulance, yeah. Straight yeah. into the point. Um, do you think there'll ever be a writer that, I mean, because we've seen that um, they've been remaking King stuff, and you were mentioned a few weeks ago, might have sounded like a joke, but you said that, you know, within 10 years we'll probably see another remake of The Stand, or it's, yeah. um, have we ever seen a writer that's as prolific as Stephen King? And I don't mean, like, writing, like, books-wise, I mean, in the movies, like, or will, I mean, obviously we haven't, will we ever see anybody as wow. prolific? Wow, you know, you bring up a great point. I, uh, Shakespeare stuff, I guess has got to be in there, but, um, not as, not as much as Stephen King. Yeah, no, you're right. And <laughs> love really close. Maximum Overdrive? Man, shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like every movie uses some sort of like Shakespearean trope, mm. but I, I feel like Stephen King has a show, a movie coming out almost, he's pretty much 
the marvel of horror. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I, well, I think it's because a lot of us, well, I mean, man, he spans such a broad period of time. But Mm -hmm. um, like, I feel like I grew up with him, but so did my brother, who's about 10 years older than me. And so it's like, you know, he's, yeah, he's just prolific. How many books does he have? I couldn't even tell you. And just TV, you know what? He, this is what I think happened with Stephen King. I think we all have this like really great affection for like, this golden age stuff and mm-hmm. and other 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 of his you know bigger hits like standing it and stuff but i think what he did um probably around right 1990 95 is he realized whoa i'm gonna write these things basically for tv and i'm not saying he wasn't writing them with the intention to write a really good novel or novella or a short story but i think he knew that he had a golden goose and so he's literally started to write things that are just really easy to translate to the screen. And so I think that's kind of what we're dealing with now. <laughs> that's the repercussions that we have from soberish Stephen King. Yes. So yes. Post. <laughs> yeah. And especially post van incident. Yeah. Do you, would you rather see his, uh, cause I, I haven't kept up with his newer stuff. Would you rather see his older stuff? Like, I mean, we're due for a Carrie remake now, aren't we? It's been oh, a while. Oh, God, I guess so, yeah. Uh, what, 10 years? Well, at least uh, 10 years, yeah. Yeah, at least 10. Um, would you rather see the older stuff being remade, or would you want to see his new stuff? Like, Man, that's so tough, because th- some of his newer stuff, like I brought up Joyland a few times. Joyland's an all-time favorite Stephen King uh, story for me. Um, I would love to see that translated to the big screen or small screen, which I think is happening. <laughs> you will. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it will happen. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm like almost done with his newest book uh, later. Um, I haven't quite got to the end of that. But um, again, that's a, it just, it just oozes like TV miniseries, you know, the entire time you're reading it. And um, I, I, and not in a bad way, it, it's good, but I mean, I, I, I want the stand and I want the dark tower. You know, there is the uh, predominantly I want the dark tower. That's his like magnum opus. And that's, that's the one that has gotten just the, the least attention. And because it's hard, it's so vast and, and grand, but you know, if you can bot- butcher the, you know, game of Thrones then you can butcher that, just, just try it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um, yeah, I'm just go for it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're bringing Amazon's finally bringing will of time. I believe, uh, Wow. I think they've wrapped up production. Yeah. They've been working on that forever. Yeah, that's a that's a monstrosity. So I don't mind. We also have some more horror news. Uh, one of our favorites, Rob Zombie, is doing the Munsters and bringing it to Netflix. A movie, not not a show. Unfortunately, we're just getting a, a Munsters movie from Rob Zombie. How excited are you for it? I guess my first question is, what sort of hillbilly will they be? Oh God, damn it. <laughs> and will will Herman be lusting after Marilyn, or is that the, the daughter's name, or uh, will it be the boy who's trying to hook up with his his niece or whatever oh, she it's is? Definitely going to be Grandpa Monster. Let's be. Oh right. yeah, yeah. I forgot about it. He's going to be the lecherous one. Yes. Oh man, dude, you're taking the words out of my mouth. So, um, our buddy Kevin, who's been on this the show uh, a time or two, uh, he he likes to let me know about stuff like this that he knows angers me. And he does it. He does it early in the morning, so it starts my day off right. Uh, yeah, re- really good guy. And so we were talking about this uh, just the other morning, and uh, um, he asked me. Um, and if you guys bear with me, I'm going to read this. He asked me if you could write a personal letter to Rob Zombie, what would it say? And so <laughs> here's what I wrote back via text. I said, "Dear Robert, please don't. <laughs> Let's just not." The Munsters is far too pure to have your filthy fingerprints all over it. What? Grandpa Munster's now a pedophile or something? 
Herman's cock is all, all the time? No. Now, I know you're known for hit tunes like Super Creep and everybody's fucking on a UFO. But, you know, so why don't you just go do that? Make a killer record. Hell, make it a Hot Topic exclusive release. You'll kill it. <laughs> I just know it. Leave well enough a note. Oh, leave well enough alone. Your pal, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> so that's kind of how I feel, guys. How do you feel? <laughs> Everything you said is is so true. It is. It's it's so pure. And you know, Munster's Adam family. It's the eternal battle, right? Mm-hmm. Is there what you prefer? But there's a purity to the Munsters, whether it's the original one or that weirdo one that they did in the late '80s or '90s or whatever. And Rob Zombie shouldn't be within. Three or four states of the monsters. <laughs> like, yeah, I literally said, I don't even want him eating Munster cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I don't, I, I'm assuming that what's her name? Sherry Moon Zombie's probably going to be Lily. Oh. I don't want to see like this dark, perverted, dysfunctional, rapey version of the monsters. No one wants to see that. No, no, give it to fucking Tim Burton. Or some shit. I don't know. Not Rob. Rob, no. Yeah, you're a horror fan, not a, a comedy fan. You, you yes. I don't think he has the comedic chops to pull it off. Yeah. And the Monsters is like very simple humor. Yes, and it was funny. It actually was funny. It was very and like I said, it's like it's like the most like delicate, pure humor there is. And prime time, you know, in the sixties or whatever it was, fifties or what whatever it was. I it, it, it was it was so not that late. <laughs> Not that early. I mean, what was it? 70s, 60s? I, don't fucking know. I think it was the 60s. Okay, 60s. But it is. It's got this like very like lighthearted approach to it. And I want to keep that. And, and and Rob Zombie, if you're listening, if we know you're listening, we don't say this out of spite or anger or hatred. It's because we care. Yes. Lords of Salem is still cool. I like it. The past few weeks, I think we've covered some really interesting movies. So, uh, what, two weeks ago, we talked about Deadly Illusions, which was uh, pretty bad. A fan uh, favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we're Last just three dudes talking about movies. We are just three dudes talking about movies. Last week, we talked about Baphomet, which some people may say is bad, and I guess it is bad. But uh, I thought it was a lot of fun for what it was, kind of like WrestleManiac type of fun. Um, this week, we're talking about Blackstock Boneyard. So according to the synopsis, it's in the tradition of Candyman. I don't know why they would want to compare themselves to a classic, but you know, so be it. Um, it's about two black men who are accused of murder and are electrocuted. And in between 75 and 100 years later, they come back to avenge their deaths. First of all, what do you think of their decision to compare themselves to Candyman? I mean, this this is never a good idea, right? To compare yourself to a classic? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Beatles did it to Jesus. <laughs> and how did that turn out for them? Well, you know. Two out right, of them four. got murdered for it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wasn't the best. I mean, so if someone watches something, right, and they're like, oh, wow, that's like Candyman, then that's cool. Like, that person opened it up themselves. But if you tell someone, like, yeah, this is just like Candyman, then you're begging people to compare your movie to okay. a beloved franchise. Yeah, and also, this story is nothing like Candyman. If you're going to – if your Candyman comparison is the – the there's a predominantly uh, black cast and villainy thing going on, okay, it's nothing like Candyman. 
Yeah, and if that's what they're going off of, then that's a really, really poor compare. Because you can say that about any movie with a black character. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> silly. It's it's really silly. It has it's, it's more nothing. Like Deadly Night of the Scarecrow. If they were like, "This is the new Deadly Night of the Scarecrow," I'd have been into it. <laughs> so this movie, so okay, it maybe it's like Handyman. Maybe it is. I guess it depends on your point of view. There are so many inconsistencies in this movie. So, um, do you guys know where this movie takes place? South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina. Blackstock, yeah. South Carolina is where they repeatedly say throughout this movie. If you watch the trailer, the very first thing it says is 1913 in Louisiana. Oh, what? So right off the bat, <laughs> the um, synopsis says oh. that um, it's been 100 years since uh the execution and they've come back for revenge so that would put it in 2013 13 a character in the movie says it's been 75 years so that would put it in 1988 mm-hmm. so cool, cool year <laughs> it is a cool year except they didn't have instagram or cell phones <laughs> oh that's right they didn't yeah. or toyota prius <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many Mistakes here. So I guess, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, oh, that's, so, you know, they it's 1988 and they're using a cell phone or, you know, that's that's it can be charming. Did you think that those kinds of things were cool in this movie? And I'm not specifically no. those two mistakes. Just there's a lot of other mistakes in this movie. Well, and so, I mean, full disclosure here, we we have screener access is how we got it. And uh, our screener access has an entirely different title for the film. Uh, if you guys noticed that, I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> what yeah. is the title of the film? It's like The Retribution or something like that. Um, I, I don't remember. Um, I could pull it up, but I don't want to. Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> uh, there's also the, um, I'm going to call it a dueling pistol. And mm-hmm. oh, spoiler warning, like uh, we won't, uh, mm. there might be a twist or two. Yeah. This. I don't know. But I mean, like we'll talk about some plot points, but it won't yeah. really be your Those are not multi-shot guns. You're right, Patrick. this dueling pistol depending on who it's shooting um it'll either put a fist size hole cleanly through the stomach all the way through the back of a person yeah yeah or a person will take the shot at point blank range and survive and be i think even stronger and better afterwards so uh so we have this um We have this dueling pistol among one of the many weapons that are used in this movie. What did you guys think of the kills in this movie? Because there's a good amount of gore. It, t- it takes a while. Yeah. It, it it takes almost half of the movie for it to, like, get violent, I guess. <laughs> You're going to say get good, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love the pause, dude. That was so good. <laughs> like, it, it's like, so some of the kills were pretty impressive. The, the fist highs bullet hole i thought i was like hey blow your money (laughs) it looked cool i mean it certainly got a reaction out of me that reaction was laughter but i mean that is a reaction yeah and i I, for the longest time i was like i thought this was supposed to be a comedy it was hilarious it was funny and i was like what's wrong why is like (laughs) where's the funny bits when i saw the fist hole you know, I was like, oh, finally, we get something that's kind of funny. And the inconsistency of, of the bullets, you're right. It's just like. It would have been way cooler if they were having to reload that fucking thing after every shot, which is like, who the fuck would carry that thing? Anyway. Exactly. It, they did it in Hamilton. Why can't they do it in here? <laughs> Hamilton, too. It's just as bad as this. 
Well, it's true. Like this pistol is like. I mean, what, what would it take? Like five or ten minutes to reload? <laughs> uh, let's say a really speedy, uh, you know, Civil Warman could probably get it done in like you know three four minutes. Let's say. And, and they're, they're shooting this thing like it's an automatic. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fighting for their life. <laughs> it, it's such an odd move, and so. Yeah. And it's not just the kills and the weapons and stuff. So, um, what did you think of the performances in this movie? Because I, I have never seen people that were so stiff. nonchalant, stiff. Like <laughs> they're in the, I guess it's the court, the courthouse, right? And the first time they see the, uh, the murder, the the killer or whatever, one of the two killers, uh, one of them just goes, "Hey, look, who is that?" <laughs> <laughs> no so the performances were like all over the place i i felt like this was like hey i got a bunch of like pretty friends um let's put them in the movie um they all appear to be actors uh th- there's no proof in that pudding um uh, the one guy i will say is aspen kennedy wilson jesse he was good he i thought he was the best actor in the group and i could see him in other things performing well but uh wow wildly inconsistent inconsistent is the name of the game the one thing consistent about this movie is the word no people <laughs> constantly no 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 <laughs> oh dude the what the my favorite was chloe when she cuts <laughs> her own head off yeah oh just <laughs> A great scene, like the she, they're being stalked. The two of the protagonists are being stalked, and instead of trying to escape, one just gets a. It was a Sith, right? Yeah, Sith. Sith. and she yeah. just cleanly cuts her <laughs> from ear to ear. Yeah. It, and it, she it, was perfectly fine. I think she could have easily escaped, uh, but nah, nope, nope, nope. No, she went with the path of least resistance. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> So um, they also go with the interesting choice of having characters disappear and reappear suddenly. Like, I yeah. think the most telling one was, so there's the, the two guys who are executed, they end up coming back for revenge. We see one of them come back from the grave, the hand through the ground type of thing. He kills a bunch of people. The other one just shows up off yeah. screen and yeah. he's just there all of a sudden. And which I was, I, I thought the setup at the beginning of the movie um, was actually kind of fun and cool. And um, uh, I thought, oh boy, like we're gonna be getting like uh, these guys, like, um, like almost, I was like, Ooh, is it? you know what? It should have been compared to Shocker, not Candyman. It should be compared to Shocker. I thought I was like, ooh, are they gonna be like coming through the TV? Are they gonna be like, cause they get electrocuted? No, I was gonna just jump on that too. Like, I why not get like supernatural powers? You're obviously getting elect- electrocuted. Get fucking use use your fucking surroundings. Yes. Well, you know what? He the did have that. Uh, that one had that crazy whip. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Which came from there. Where'd the scythe come from? Anyway. Well, I guess because they were farmers and they oh, farmers. farmers. Oh. Okay. All right. Sorry. Shot, I'm shot guessing. Not a, a hole in my theory. <laughs> this whole movie. Well, and so this movie uh, is a lot like Baphomet. I thought like it's 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 not a comedy, but it's hilarious. Except there was one thing about it. It has so much commentary in regards to very serious issues. Uh, there's, you know, harassment is a part of it. Sexism, racism is the hugest thing in it. Like, to me, it those, those messages did not belong in this kind of movie at all. It kind of really made it a difficult watch for me. You're not wrong. Um, the uh, You're right. 
<laughs> it was a difficult watch. I mean, so I've, I, I, yeah, they spent far too much time um, trying to drive home these um, like ideals, which it's like, okay, I fucking get it. It's the South. They're racists. Um, this was a wrongful thing. They spend what 40 minutes of a not even an hour and a half long movie like driving that into your fucking head over and over and over with little to no exposition actually happening as to what they told you in the first five minutes of the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing's going on. You have uh, a mayor or a judge or whatever he is who looks like Colonel Sanders. Dude, he had cool Uh, hair. (laughs) Yeah, he did have the cool ponytail and everything. Yeah. You have, you know, liberal use of the derogatory son. uh, And boy. And boy, son. Um. The end. The end. Bo- the end. Bomb gets dropped once. Oh, uh, totally unnecessary. Yeah, it was. Inc- I mean, they had already determined. They had already uh, at this point acknowledged that this is an incredibly racist part of of South Carolina. Louisiana, South Carolina. Oh, yeah, where somewhere in that area, but they still had to go that route with it. Um, I will say, and here's where the movie is kind of conflicting to me. So you have these like serious issues. Uh, police brutality is kind of glossed over in this, but um, you have these really serious issues. But then you have this part where these guys are in a bar and they're toasting, and one guy goes "white power" because they're adding to the racist feel mm-hmm. of the place, mm-hmm. and some other dude just goes "we're white." <laughs> it's like so, it's kind of funny because it's the yeah. stupidest thing to say. <laughs> then in the, and then you know the next scene is a bunch of white dudes beating up a black guy. Like kicking the shit out of them, so it's like, okay, this isn't fun. This is actually kind of uncomfortable. Right. It's ridiculous. Like the movie is very ridiculous, and it should be fun, but I just couldn't get past all of that. Do Do you think they took they wanted to make this kind of like a Get Out, where it's a, a social horror, social commentary horror on this? Because I don't feel any of the stuff that they that these guys were doing came across that way. It was just. Kind of like again the spaghetti on the wall type of uh, analogy. Like let's see what sticks. Yeah. And they were so <laughs> gun ho on this that they thought that this was a really good idea. They saw something in the history books and they're like, we're going to make a social commentary on on all of this. Oh, I definitely think they thought it was a good idea. It was not a good idea. The so like you just said it. Like they literally threw everything on the wall to see what stuck. None of it sticks. Um, and I think by the end, oh, which I'm sorry, I, by the end, I think what they wanted was for you to feel like, hey, you know, the people that needed to take the power back took the power back. But that's not even what the that's not even the message at the end. No, no, not at all. Um, and that's not also like <laughs> the very, very last thing that you see in the actual movie is based on a true story. Which is hilarious. <laughs> like, I think it's inspired by true events. I know that's semantics, and you're kind of nitpicking at that point or whatever. But it is really funny to see this movie where people literally come up from the grave and it says based on a true story. Right. Um, and I, I didn't think of it in the way that you said it, Danny, about uh, does it want to be uh, get out. But yeah, obviously, now that you say that, like, it's very obvious that this movie thought it was doing something really deep. When it should have just tried to be really fun, and I think it would have succeeded at that. It could have been. It could mm-hmm. have been a lot of fun. I I talk all the time about how I think like Civil War, slavery era stuff, is like a really great well for horror movies that doesn't get dipped into enough. Um, if this is the kind of stuff we're going to be getting from that, I don't want it. I, <laughs> I'll take it back. But like it, it, there, it's there. It's just this wasn't utilized correctly. 
Yeah, you're right. So it's kind of the be careful what you ask for thing. But I think this is the extreme example. Right, I would agree. Yeah, of that. So uh, final thoughts, Danny, I'll stock, start with you. Uh, You'll stock with stock? me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, will, I will black stock with you. Um, yeah, you say that every time from now on. I like that. <laughs> stock. See or no see, black, black stock boneyard or the retribution or whatever this name is. Whatever, whatever this movie is called. Uh, you know, uh, I really wanted to like I uh, I did have to stop it at one point because uh my girlfriend called and we were just talking and i told her you this movie's you know not bad the acting's really terrible but the thing i think the thing about this movie is that like with it being inconsistent a lot of this a lot of the plot points don't really like match up uh i would really say uh skip this movie and what about you blake uh, blackstock boneyard blackstock boneyard okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna echo what some of what danny said and i hate you know, I think it's a karma thing. I hate to just shit all over something and not say anything positive about it. I will say this: the uh, the uh, the villains, the the ghost uh, brothers, looked awesome. Yes, I thought I thought they were really cool looking. I loved like their weaponry. I loved how violent it could be at times. Mm-hmm. I actually really did like a few things. Like Danny said, I really wanted to like this thing. Um, as short runtime, it could it could have been just so fun. That said. I cannot recommend this movie. I just can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really easy for me. This movie should have been like Baphomet or WrestleManiac, where it's a horror movie that isn't necessarily a comedy, but in its attempts, it ends up being really funny and then enjoyable at the same time. If this movie didn't take itself so damn seriously and deal with so many like sensitive issues then I would have thoroughly enjoyed it, but uh, this is a big-time no-see for me. Oh, June has been Evil Twin Months on the show. Uh, This is our second episode, and we got a film from Austria. It is called Goodnight Mommy. It is about a set of twins, their brothers. Their mother comes home from a facial surgery, and they don't believe that it's truly her mother. Uh, from there, things get crazy. <laughs> uh, this movie, I guess you can, it's a psychological horror slash thriller, right? Yeah. Uh, I like how, and I don't know what you guys think about this, um, but they did a really good job of integrating like the horror tropes in the very beginning. Like, you got creepy masks. You got a cornfield. Twins are always scary. Yes. Especially, I love the way it was kind of smoothly integrated into the story. I thought the beginning of this film is the strongest part of the film. Uh, the first 30 minutes are uh, incredibly thought-provoking and interesting. It's uh, it's captivating. <laughs> what did you guys think? So um, there's it's a very, very small cast. I mean, you basically got three characters, and it's the twins do the heavy lifting, really. Um, so what did you think of the mom? Because she is very important to this. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, I thought the the bandages uh, to echo Danny um, the it, it takes away uh, emote emotion and emoting with facial expression, and there's just some incredibly creepy shots where they set her up to where she looks you know like a horrifying Joker or mm-hmm. she just she looks terrifying. And I I thought that it was such a I'm, I'm very conflicted about this movie, but I thought the 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 setup was like brilliantly done and particularly with her and how she's interacting with the kids the uh another horror trope is i i, I think is um you know the mother figure uh you can go back to psycho with how 
important the mother figure could be and i loved how they they yeah, the bandages look appropriately creepy um there is that sense of tension and this came out in 2014 so we're just gonna delve into the spoilers for this one so um she looks creepy, and there is that sense of mystery like is she really their mother or not and i really enjoy the character and she, like you two said like the only emoting you get is through her eyes and her voice and and even the eyes, it's not that's not where the focus is yeah. on her voice. It's very much on her voice and actions. Loved loved the character, and I um, enjoyed what what they were doing with her. Uh, well, not what they were doing with her towards the end, but I loved what the story <laughs> was doing with her. Yeah. Oh, um, what did you two think of the twins? They're they're actually great little actors. Um, they do they do kind of set you up because I think uh, always and the way she looks and everything, this this sets you up to be like, oh, we're on, I'm on the kid side. You know, you immediately go like, well, they're the innocent children. They're they're who I should be rooting for, quote unquote. It, it has everything to do with their performances and how they're interacting with each other and how uh, Elias is is or Elias is when he's by himself. And there, there's just there's just so many subtle cues, like Danny said, that just like as the movie progresses, it takes on this whole different spectrum. Yeah. The, the, and the only reason that it works is because it's the reveal which we'll get to in a while it's not the most groundbreaking thing it's been done before but the only reason it works so well in this movie is because of the performances and uh, you're right you're i mean i was on their side for the vast majority of the movie um and even when we'll get to the end even by the end the part of me still felt for one of the characters um so this takes place in a very opulent uh i guess you can call it a mansion it's a a huge it's a huge remote home um do you think that the cause it's a small cast? They you know just the three interacting in this. Did you think they interacted well with the? Uh, do you think the small cast worked in this large setting? Great question. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do. I I thought the I thought there was a lot of use of like the woods and like there was like this mystery to like this lake and like playing out in the rain. They don't lock you into this one house. You know what I mean? It's like a vast property, and you you get a lot of personality from these three characters uh mas menos <laughs> from, you know that um that really kind of lock you into like okay like this is a if it's not their main home it's definitely like their retreat and they're using it as such right yeah yeah i agree i uh because it, it's kind of tricky when it's a you know a small cast in a small area it's not that hard right. to do it but sometimes when you're in this big area and it's a small cast, like the scenery kind of overshadows the performances. Right. But I, I thought everything was integ- integrated very smoothly here. House, house porn, countryside porn. It's all good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, all, and it's beautiful. I mean, and let's, let's get into the setting and kind of the mood of this movie. Um, do you think it did a good job of, cause there's multiple mysteries going on here. Um, did it do a good job of like creating that tense atmosphere? I thought some of the more subtle touches, like um, when they're uh, the boys are sitting around looking through the photo album, I thought that was like a really great scene that, you know, really kind of like, not only did it answer some questions, it made you ask, you know, twice more. Mo- twice as many as you were answered. Yeah. And I, I thought that was like a really effective thing. And, and since they are out there by themselves, um, there's just like this kind of um, ominous feeling at all times. Uh, absolutely and, and you mentioned that scene in particular and just the ominous feeling in general uh good night, good night mommy there's a lot of long moments of silence in right. it um, did you think it was used effectively because i thought those moments i think that heightened like the t- tension of the movie totally 
Yeah, it, it, it. If anything, some of the like the quieter, more subtle moments are were the most effective in the whole film. The um, and and you had mentioned Blake earlier the uh, camera work, some of the shots. I thought the camera work in this was really, oh. really good. Like their use with shadows, and they play a lot with like duality and um, mirror images and stuff like that. Uh, there's a really, really awesome shot where the mom is removing her bandages and putting on some. <sighs> And her eye is in the mirror. Oh, oh it's so good! <laughs> it's it, it's kind of, it's something of a jump scare, and it is so well done. It's perfectly done. Like I, I just great camera work that adds to the beauty. But they know how to scare you too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the uh, the as to, to mention the more of the the camera work. There's a there's a really great scene where you kind of and it's still kind of I don't I don't know what was happening, but um, the mother runs out like into the woods. And it's it kind of just protracts into this like wow they're really out in the middle of nowhere kind of mm-hmm. you know what I mean and even though that that thing is like maybe it's a dream maybe it's not it it, it effectively kind of locks you into that whole well, we keep saying it just that just like this really dark tone of like wow there's like there is no help even if they wanted it exactly except for the Red Cross will just barge into your home apparently yeah. <laughs> Let's say Texas. <laughs> so uh, the story there's two mysteries going on. So the for one mystery is what we've discussed whether this masked woman truly is the twins' mother. The second mystery is what's actually going on with the twins. I think very early the movie and, and it's kind of subtle, but if you've seen a lot of these movies, you know where things are headed. But um, very early, the other mystery is. What's going on with the twins? What did you guys, how did you, and, and you've kind of touched on the subtleties of it. How did you guys think that played out? And what did you think of the ultimate reveal of everything? You know, the very first instance of, of, of like, you know why I'm not making Lucas breakfast. And you know why I'm not setting out Lucas's clothes. Like, right. I, I, I kind of knew right, right away. Like, okay, well, this is, yeah. <laughs> something's afoot. You know, that whole thing. Um, yeah. And like, I was, I, you're just waiting. You're just waiting. And but it does a really effective job of playing that out through the entire movie to 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 when it does just kind of give you the answer, um, which is damn near at the very end of the movie. Um, it, it's not unsatisfying. It's still a satisfying reveal. And um, yeah, I thought the I thought the interaction and how they played it um, was great. And I'm sure and I'm not saying like I'm some genius who figured it out. I'm just saying like <laughs> there's there's definitely like a subsect of people that watch this movie who had no idea until the very end. Yeah, like if uh, like I don't think the movie was trying especially hard no. to hide the fact that uh, one of the twins that was in fact you know not there. Um, like you said, very be- at the very beginning when she's like, "Oh, I didn't make him dinner," and you know why I didn't make him dinner. Um, she never addresses him directly. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lucas is always whispering into his brothers. You're never talking directly to the mother. Like she doesn't see him, even though he should. She should see him in moments. Like it's pretty obvious what's going on what's going on uh the real mystery of the story is you know what happened why are we why did we get to this point how's it gonna end and um i think that everything was uh done very well and um in the last act you get a very drastic tonal change you get from like this you know thriller to mystery type thing and then you go into some pretty extreme horror like what did you guys think of the shift (laughs) yeah I didn't love it. <laughs> I thought I thought this movie had such a great thing going um, up until about the last twenty five minutes. 
it's hard to say, put it this way, I guess, but I didn't appreciate that it just basically turned into a torture porn movie at that point. I thought that it could have, I thought you could be a whole lot more clever with it. You could have done a whole lot more interesting things with the story. And I didn't, I didn't love the whole, uh, let's torture mom for the last 20 minutes. It was an interesting decision. Like, like what they, some of the stuff they did, I was like, wow, that's, you know, crazy gluing her mouth shut and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, from a horror standpoint, it's it's you know pretty yeah. pretty wild stuff. But I didn't quite understand how they got from what the first you know two thirds of the movie was, how it escalated to that point. That was that uh, I won't say that the movie lost me entirely, but it was I think a little too drastic of a change for me. You know, make these kids a salami pizza for Christ's sake. They love them. <laughs> well, I think what it was going for, and I may be wrong, but um, I think what it was going for was like a funny games type vibe where it's a very similar situation and the things are escalating, 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 escalating to till it gets to the you know these just monstrous moments. Um, I kind of think that that's what it was going for, except you really never got that slowly escalating. Like it just was, it was, you know, like, okay, let's put this recorder under her or let's put the the transmitter under her um bed so we can eavesdrop on her next thing you know they're you know she's tied to a bed and they're slicing her open or whatever it's like it it didn't quite work out to me um so then we get to the to the ending um you know we find out what's going on that uh lucas is you know, passed away in an accident of some sort. Elias is traumatized, is what it amounts to, basically. Um, what do you guys feel about the ending? I, I was, I, I found it to be very depressing, uh, and not as like, oh, I'm de- depressed, like this sucks. Like, I felt really bad for the character. <laughs> well, this the, this ending is just fucked. Um, <laughs> I, I get it doesn't. I, I guess it doesn't really. It leaves everything kind of up in the air because you don't know what really does happen Uh, i would argue that it does oh really okay yeah cool well i mean i don't know so i would agree with patrick that it's depressing and it basically ruined the movie for me um (laughs) the the last beat is them you know doing everything they can to just torture this woman to death um and what's more horrific than the idea of being strapped down and dying in a fire of all things being burned alive being burned alive and you kind of get this last beat into hey we're all together again we're all dead we're all happy maybe i guess and that no the, the elias you know tortures and kills his mother because he's got real bad uh psychological issues from what happened in this accident uh the the and I, 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 it left me just really disappointed, <laughs> I guess is the oh. best way to put it. Yeah, like, it was, you know, like, like you mentioned, you were conflicted. Like, I, I wasn't quite sure what to think with the ending. Like, obviously, the mother was burned alive. We know that Lucas, you know, has been dead. Yes. Uh, Elias, they don't really, he may or may not have gotten away. But then the last shot... It shows them all together smiling. It's kind of like a, a what could have been in a perfect world type of thing. So kind of led me to assume that all of them were dead. That's what I thought. Gosh, I mean, there was, I guess you can, I guess if you're, you, I guess you can make the argument that it's a happy ending in a sense because oh, they're all God. together now. But um, <laughs> Maybe in 2020, buddy, not in 2021. Yeah, right? but, yeah, I watched it and I was like, wow, that's, uh, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but like, it didn't really jive with me. 
All right. So, uh, good night, mommy. It's on Hulu right now. So if you're a subscriber, you can check it out. Uh, Blake, I'll start with you. Good night, mommy. See or no see? Oh boy, what a tough question <laughs> at the end of all this. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a, it's an incredibly well shot, well acted, cool story. I can't, I can't in good conscience recommend this movie, man. It, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe. 15 years ago, I would have been like, man, this is just the darkest, coolest shit, man. It's all fucked up at the end. And I would have just recommended it to everybody. That ain't me now. I don't know. I'm like, I've got a lighter side maybe now. I, I, I didn't appreciate the end. And so I don't think I can recommend it. What about you, Danny? Good night, Mommy. See or no see? You know, I, again, what Blake said, it's a really well-directed movie. It's very pretty to look at. I Again, great characters. Uh, you know, You know what? Fuck yeah! I would definitely ha- have people recommend to watch this movie. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a really, really tough one. Um, the 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 first two thirds I think are really, really, really good. The tonal change is going to be a deal breaker for some people. Um, I was I, I hung in there, but yeah, I'd say I'd say see it, but it's <laughs> just be prepared. Be very, <laughs> very prepared. So um, with caution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Which will clear Every weekend you can find us here. Um, we're actually a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Uh, lots and lots of horror-themed podcasts, and we are one of them. Uh, we have an re- open review policy, so if there's anything that you think that we should check out, uh, drop us a line and let us know. And while you're doing that, you can follow the show on Twitter at Adventures in Movies. You can find Nathaniel or Pat, as I like to call him, over on Instagram at Nathan Portiste. You can find me, Danny, on Twitter and Instagram over at default underscore player. And you can find the head person for the Rob Zombie (laughs) (laughs) fan club. (laughs) The leader? The the decapitated head of the Rob Zombie (laughs) fan club. Uh, Uh, Four-eyed horror. (laughs) That's me, Blake. All right, everybody. Twin stuff continues. Are we evil? Maybe. Also, mid-year motherfucking madness. Tune in. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. Uh, Amazon Music has podcasts now. And we are one of them. Uh, you can also go to Morbidly Beautiful and check us out there. Wherever you listen to us, make sure to give us a rating or just tell a friend to listen. And that's our cue. We will talk to you next week. Dragula! Adios, mommy. <laughs>